When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. So I sent you guys an article yesterday that I thought we should talk about. Um, mm-hmm. It was an article in the New York Times um, by Katie Weaver, and it was a profile of Stephanie Courtney, who plays Flo from Progressive. Yes. And I thought that this article was so fascinating for a lot of reasons, but it made me think about, you know, our lives in the sense that, like, when you're an actor, you're not necessarily in you're never sure which one of your jobs is going to become the defining job, right? Like right. for us, Boy Meets World is just, no matter what we do in our lives, we're the, the kids from Boy Meets World is now doing X, Y, Z, whether mm-hmm. it's robbing a convenience store or, or starting whatever, a movie. Starting yeah, 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 a whatever, movie. It's just whatever always, right. Yeah. And so this article was all about Stephanie Courtney and how, you know, she just did one commercial in 2008 and now for 20 years has been defined as 15 years, 15 years. Boy Meets World, man. You can't say that. We haven't gotten there yet. I know. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Hey, you're like in the future. So she went from doing one commercial to, you know, now being even more than just a spokesperson for a company, like the actual human persona, Mascot. like personification yeah. of the company. Like yeah. they they have all these stats that show that like flow is in a lot of ways, the reason progressive has become a, 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 an approachable, likable mm-hmm. company. Yeah. Um, the yeah. amount of, of, of benefit or of positive 
positive qualities she has herself brought right. to a conglomerate, a, a progressive insurance company is massive. And I loved personally that, you know, and maybe it's age because she had, you know, she's she's now in her 50s. Um, but she seems so positive about it. Like she had all yeah. these, you know, she has all these wonderful feelings about about being flow. And, and you know, she makes a very good living. Um, and I'm sure there's more to that story, though. Like, you know that because she did say, like, I really want to be writing and starring in my own sure. movies. Well, like, that's she's what a I'm comedic saying. actress. Right? She yeah. flat out says. But she also, they very much she flat out gets asked, would you trade? What what would you yeah. do? And yeah. she says, I find it very hard to believe life could ever get better yes. than it is right now. Yeah. And the the reason for that is she still has all of the things she wants to do. She wants to make compelling stories. She wants to influence people. She wants to, to, to be the reason people feel or think or do something. She wants to do all of that. And she can. She just yes. will fund it herself. Yeah, exactly. And she, you know, so I, I thought it was great. She had a really like super positive, um, outlook on it and uh, she still performs weekly in an improv group that's the part that I love is and that I she love it. takes because she doesn't need that nope. she no. just loves acting and yep. she is yeah. keeping her chops up doing yep. stand up or uh, improv comedy with the groundlings or you know like every week and I just think that like that's why I, I said to you guys, I feel like this should be required reading for all yeah. like wannabe actors or people in like acting school like starting out because you really learn have to learn how to be zen with whatever happens. Like yeah, what right. takes up. You could become the spokesperson for a telephone right. company for the rest of your life. Yep. And that would be great, actually, because yes. it's of course. a good way to keep acting, be able to do what you want to do. But I think we all have this dream or all actors or all artists have like the ideal uh, career in mind. But you're always yeah. talking about like the point zero one percent of successful people, you know, and that's just probably not going to happen what's probably going to happen is you're going to find some sub version sub optimal version of your career and have to learn how to make the best out of that if yeah. you're lucky it. you're going to yeah. find lucky. that if you're right. lucky you're going to find that it's so difficult this industry is just crazy and it's so difficult to uh, find any success let alone success like that i mean she's a household name it's well flow is a household name so the yeah. character she plays and it's one way to look at it is, you know, she is playing a character on very, very, very tiny little shows, which mm -hmm. is what being a commercial actors can be, especially if, if it's for this long for one product. I mean, especially nowadays with everyone's on their phone, you've got TikTok and Instagram where you nobody's attention span is that long. So everybody's watching stuff in really, really short, short versions of it. I mean, she's doing the equivalent of what is like a sitcom. Yeah, that's flow. That's uh, and now she's playing a bunch of different characters doing it. Right. Uh, so it's right. like, I mean, she was kind of ahead of the game in 2008. Um, you know, they were just commercials. Now it's essentially she's, you know, like doing little mini shows. Right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, very cool. By the way, very quickly, since we're talking about the starts of things and we're talking about, um, you know, careers and acting, I read something very interesting today that writer, especially I think you would find interesting. I read about how stage actually started hmm. like how hmm. everything and so it started with um originally in ancient greece there was um it was all done with one chorus and the chorus would be mm -hmm. 50 people and they would all be on the stage and they would all be singing or humming the same tune right and then one actor named thespis mm. stepped forward 
and became, started to do dialogue differently than the chorus behind him. And right. then with Escalese and Sophocles, they started adding more characters and the chorus started moving farther and farther back on the stage right. Right. and the actors started to move forward. And I thought that was very, and all started yeah, with, they were all um, uh, uh, shows to Dionysus at the time uh-huh. um, is how theater started. So all of theater started with these, these choruses singing to Dionysus for having good fertility and, and um, you know, good drinking Right, and yeah, then, a good time, enjoying yeah, yourself. and right. one Indulging. actor stepped forward. Right. I think so that's cool. pretty, I think that's cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never read into those old, old ones. Let's see, I'm trying to think. I did read some ancient Greek um, stuff. Like, I've read some Sophocles. And, yeah. Yeah, and there's still the chorus, you know, but yeah. it's like a, it's a minor part. It's like yeah. the actors are engaging, the chorus sets up the scene, yeah. Yep, Sophocles, I, I think they read. said, was one of the first to bring in more than one actor, so he had two or three, Right. and then the chorus steps back. Uh, but it was just so interesting that Thespis was like, ah, I'd like to take the stage. And that was it. I cool. was playing um, Celebrity this weekend. If you guys uh-huh. you know Celebrity, where you take strips of famous cards and you, and, you stri- and you write names on them. And then you have to like play password, essentially. And then you only have two words. And then you have to uh, and then you actually have to charade it. So it's like three rounds with the same set of names that you've all created. And somebody had written Oedipus on there. And so... <laughs> Sophocles wrote Oedipus Rex. And so yeah. we, we, so like the hint became mother's eyes, mother's <laughs> eyes. Cause you know, only two Love, words. Loving <laughs> mom. <laughs> yeah, that's mother's eyes. Welcome to pod meets world. I'm Danielle Fischel. I'm Ryder Strong. And I'm Will Friedle. When it comes to pod meets world, we're synonymous with two things, watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ioniq 5 is a tech Ford electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, Jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. 
Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. As a podcast focused on reliving memories from our past, I can tell you firsthand, as you get older, your memory just isn't as reliable as it used to be. Yeah, if we didn't have Will here, there would be a lot of dead air. <laughs> that is true, Robert. Well, guys, since I know you need a little help, you're going to love Legacy Box. It's the safest way to digitize your home videos and pictures, even when you think you don't have a way to watch them anymore. Oh, this is perfect, especially with Mother's Day right around the corner. It really is the perfect gift for the whole family, whether it's a sweet 16 or college graduation. First steps or performing a Backstreet Boys dance in between scenes on your childhood network sitcom. This is the way to reconnect with your history. The process is so easy. You just fill your legacy box with old VHS or camcorder tapes, pictures, negatives, film reels. I mean, they even work with over 15 different types of analog media, so they have you covered. Then you just send the box back and their team professionally digitizes everything by hand in the U.S. And you'll get it all back on the cloud or on a thumb drive along with your originals. I recently sent off my first box to Legacy Box and I got into my old storage unit and found about 40 tapes, all different media. And I was able to label each one and send it off. I cannot wait to see what these tapes hold. Jensen and I also recently got some of his home videos digitized and being able to hear his parents' voices again has been a real gift. So join over 1.5 million families that have trusted Legacy Box with their memories. Go to LegacyBox.com slash world to save 60% during their best Mother's Day sale ever. It's time to connect with your past and make sure those memories are preserved properly. That's LegacyBox.com slash world. Well, the end of season three marks many things for Podmeets World. The end of Alex Desaire, an approach to the end of Mr. Turner, Eric's high school graduation, a new focus on Corpenga we may or may not like, and the return of our two favorite Boy Meets World fan podcasters, TC and Siege from Bruh Meets World. For those uninitiated, their podcast analyzes the show with a melanin point of view, and they are about to get into the final season, season seven, after a break in solidarity with the SAG strike. And a programming note for us, we will be kicking off season four in 2024, and it will also mark the return of SAG members as guests, which we Yay. are all very Yay. excited SAG about. SAG strike over. Yay. Yay. So, okay, now back to the bra guys. We have been lucky enough to see them at a few live shows this year. And now, as we have after every season finale so far, we've asked them to join us and recap this past season of Pod Meets World with us. They'll give us a fan's perspective on how we're doing. And we've asked them to be very honest and ask us some of the unanswered questions they may still have. Like, did Debbie Dunning learn how to scuba dive for the two seconds she's underwater with dolphins during the Disney World episode? Let's not waste any more time for the official Pod Meets World Season 3 recap. Let's welcome back TC and Siege of Bruh Meets World. 
Well, we can hang on to our leather jackets, unlike other people. Oh, oh. <laughs> so oh starting with a shot across the bow. So true. <laughs> so excited to see you guys. Nice to see you as well. I'm going to just jump in with our first question. Same as always. Have we ruined the show for you yet? <laughs> Oh, so ruined. So ruined. <laughs> the sit. This time the, the answer is yes. Finally, yes. I was gonna say, Finally, season yes. three, we came to play. Like, we have notes oh, on good. so many yeah. of your episodes. We were like, <laughs> no, we can't let this pass. Okay, good. Yes. I'm so happy oh, to hear good. that. Good. But I will say that you guys this season, I feel like, you know, there was a lot of obstacles that you had to be overcome with the with the strikes and everything like that. And I we thoroughly enjoyed all of the episodes. We loved the drafts episodes. We loved all of the kind of behind the scenes stuff that was going on. And we just felt like you guys did an incredible job with overcoming that circumstance. Thank you. you We appreciate that. All right, now can we get into it? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Now we got the niceties out of the way. <laughs> oh. Right to the jugular. In reality, a lot of mine was just starting off with like, first of all, defending Ryder. Ryder gets a lot of flack for being critical of a lot of these episodes. And we're like, no, where was Ryder on it? Why are we doing this? And yeah. Danielle and Will are like, this is good. And we're like, is it though? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, we came with a few like lists of like, we were just going to go down and be like, defend your position. On okay. This. Okay. Like, Let's do uh, it. So we started off with a uh, little piggy. Like we are so in line with like the idea of having a Topanga and Sean's storyline. We even yes. get like a little Topanga and Turner for like the first time. I know. Right. Which is like fantastic. Yet that story goes nowhere. Right. And there's like no lesson learned. And we were just like, you were like, but it's good. It's the we're like, no, this went absolutely nowhere. And it makes me like Topanga less as a character after Agreed. I agree. I was yeah. really disappointed that the very early on, because Little Piggy's only episode six yeah. into the season. And so, like, very early on, you barely have seen Topanga. And then well, all of a sudden, she's so unlike. Well, let's just say, all of season three, the best Topanga episode is TL. I know. Yeah. Yeah. She's the best Topanga. Yeah. Well, yeah. hold on. <laughs> no. TC and Siege hate the 50s episode. Oh, oh you, we, it's on the list. It's on the list. I was a teenage spy. It's ridiculous. To, we went back to that episode and we barely covered it. We were like, what do you want from us? What do you <laughs> want us to say? We tried. We tried. We're like, it's rump. It's rump. It's, it's rump. Fun. Honestly, there was so much like teasing of like this happy days influence into the show. It's like, oh, I'm glad you guys got it out your system and you got to just just jump into it. it. As as a fan watching the show, I just remember thinking like, oh, so all of this is a dream sequence, so it doesn't amount to anything for the story. Ultimately, ultimately doesn't matter. Right. Mm, right. I mean, but but we had Patsy. (laughs) <laughs> so there you Did go. We, we had Etsy pay. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, it's even more absurd because it's like it doesn't. They don't do uh, anything. It's absolutely. Yeah. And then also, like we we have to say this for our own podcast: Black people do not like time travel. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we said on our episode, we still have milkshakes and racism. There's no reason to go back to negative. Right. We don't need to revisit. <laughs> Uh, Train of Fools is another one where you guys were like, it's fun. I think like, yeah, Train of Fools is one of those episodes where it's like, not only does it not make sense, like on a script, but it's just like, 
there are so many simple solutions. Like, why right. was this not a train to New York? Like, Philadelphia yeah. is not far from New York. You can just say that. Where are you going? <laughs> right. We had to Google during the show. We're like, wait, do they even have subways in Philadelphia? We're like Googling the whole thing as we're exactly. doing it. Okay, but we have to talk about what we discovered in our comments and okay. with emails, which I think we did talk about on our Instagram, but we might not have talked about on the show, which is we think this was a friend spec script. Mm-hmm. That, oh, and, right, and, right, right. And it turned out Jeff McCracken wrote to it, or it was McCracken who wrote yeah. to us that the, the writer of it was a huge fan of Friends. Yes. And so I think she had written a Friends episode. Yeah, she and, wrote you know, a where they script. broke down on the subway, a spec script, and then they were like, let's shoehorn this into Boy Meets World, which makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, and it, yeah, that makes so much sense to me. That's actually like, that does explain why we got here. Yes. (laughs) Does not explain what we were doing. No. Um, (laughs) And then, Will, you chose in your draft Rave On. And again, I want to hear that defense because that episode is another one. It's like, what are we doing? (laughs) Why? Like, no one knows what a rave is, apparently. No one has ever. Writer does. Writer does. Writer goes to lots of raves. Writer Writer was a raver. Writer's on X right now. Um, <laughs> he's got yes. glow sticks under the computer. Under you can't the, see him. He's sitting there. I'm a no. pacifier right here. You know what it was for me? It was just straight up fanning over the monkeys. You know, that's all what I love. You know, I'm a huge television fan. The monkeys have a huge history with TV. They were very important at the time. They were important to me when I was growing up. So I think to me, it was more just like personal. The monkeys, the monkeys yeah. are there. I'm working. I'm working. You know, I'm working with Davy Jones is coming in and he's being super inappropriate. See, I think both of these episodes off the camera and off that stuff. So it was just more of that stuff for me. Both of these episodes are, you know, the Jeff Sherman episodes. And that right. was the point of the episodes was to be referential more than yeah. to actually like be its own thing. They yeah, were, they were referencing these old, these old TV things that like personally, I don't give a crap about. So it's hard for me to like, but you know, but yeah. you know what? Well, I'm with you. Me and Siege actually disagree about Ray. Yeah, thank I you. I love this episode. Thank I, I you. When they first, because I grew up watching the show on like TV Land and things like yes. that. Yes, so I was aware of them. My mom was in the Davy Jones fan club as a kid. Like I have a long history with the monkeys, and so I just really enjoyed that episode for the fun of it. Although it's not even close to being a rave at most. It's oh no! A birthday party at the back of a restaurant. Right, right. And it didn't even, they didn't even bother trying to make any of it make sense where it's like Chubby's supposed to be gone but we're still going and paying Chubby for right, use the of deposit. Like they kind of just went but the monkeys are playing and I was there yeah. for it. I was like alright I'm fine. Just Davey saying we're good. Yeah, not a great episode, but it was the monkey. Where do you guys rank season three general? Like do you guys just think season three is a bad season overall? You know, it's so funny because we actually started with our criticisms, but it's actually, we love season three. <laughs> we just wanted to get the hot thoughts out okay. first. Yeah, but okay. when we kind of, uh, so we actually rank our seasons at the end. We, we give every episode a grade and then we kind of total it up at the end. And season okay. three was actually ranked as one of our highest seasons Ooh, of the whole show. We've heard so, this before. Three and four. Uh, people love it. I, I think it's, yeah. We were just talking to Blutman, actually, Mark Blutman, who we had on our podcast. So it's a yes. little name drop. Um, <laughs> but we were just talking to him about how seasons three through five, we think are just the heart of the show. So yeah. we're so excited to actually get into the nitty gritty of season three because it's it's one of our favorites. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's a that. bonkers season. I think yes, it's just, it is. I think it's just, I, I, I like my takeaway, because when I look back on our list of preparing for today and I was looking, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a great episode. That was also a great right. episode. And even the bad ones, like bad, they're not that bad. They're very memorable. Like even, yeah. even the ones that you guys just mentioned that I yeah. kind of thought were ridiculous. They're very memorable. Sure. I feel like what happened in season three is the show 
just kind of lost its identity. Like it went in like four different directions. It's like, sure. there's an Eric show. There's a Sean show. There's a Corey and Topanga show. And right. it's like from episode to episode, there's no cohesion or there's like, so it almost feels like three Except seasons or four seasons. for when there's seasons. a lot of cohesion. Because sometimes there's <laughs> sometimes also there's an a lot. Yeah, sometimes yeah. there's like episodes yeah. that are very linked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the highs are very high and then terribly. the lows are pretty yeah. low. And it ended maybe- badly. Maybe in season three, where there was a little bit more comfortability of our show is sticking around a little more. Mm-hmm. So they felt a little more comfortable going, eh, eh, yeah, yeah, that doesn't really make much sense. Let's, see if this let's, works. Just, let's just try let's something else. And, right. Let's see if this works. Right. But to your it, point, for every episode that's kind of whatever, you get a truth and consequence. You get a stormy yes. weather. You yes. get a grass is always greener. Like there uh, are episodes in here that are like some of the most defining points yeah. of the show, of the whole series. Right. Right. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of give and take with the whole season yeah yeah to tc's point it wasn't all bad like we said we started off with like some of the the bad ones which by the way um the happiest show on earth we were both from florida the yeah. logistics of that episode made no sense <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no matter how you slice it like there's no way those kids were getting from there and then getting into disney let alone right. like <laughs> and then right. just hanging the out with a dolphin tank. That had nothing to do with Disney at all. It's like, it's just a dolphin. It's just sorry. freely roaming through Disney, which I think they charge you just to wait in line now. So I know yeah, that. that exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, so uh, funny. Going back to the good, uh, as CC had mentioned, like the truth and consequences episode, right? I know you chose this as one yeah. in your draft. And we thought that this is like one of the better, like it also, you it actually uses mm. Eli, which yeah. is a rarity yes, in this I yes. know. <laughs> such a waste we have such an incredible actor and then thank god there was at least this one episode because he really did shine here it was like that one that was it and that's what we're gonna say when it comes to eli in our opinion he was one of the most underutilized like we yes we get our first person of color in the main cast we get this idea of media literacy and to in our opinion it's like this that was Truth and Consequences is not only a great episode, but it like leads to a better conversation about totally. your relationship with media. Mm-hmm. And they just let it go nowhere. Did you guys feel like there were any rooms for like storytelling when it came to Eli? Like, what do you think happened? Yeah. Well, no, it's I'm- funny. We actually just talked about this like a half an hour ago. Danielle, we were trying to think of any other show where a character was so horribly utilized Mm, he might be up there in television history yeah of an actor coming in and them just not using him at all i mean we we saw him when he went on to becker and everything else he's he's a genius i was gonna say he was fine like he he landed on his feet because you know he's (laughs) he's great but boy meets world definitely did not take advantage of it and i think the the worst example is the um the what is it the episode where i go to the oh the pink flamingo kid because that's another episode that could have been about media literacy and teaching and instead he just kind of comes in sets up this like contest or whatever and then disappears and And it's like no that's a great time for him to engage with Corey, for him to have like a life lesson with Corey, and you know back and forth nothing but that whole episode was just about swinging that's all they did. <laughs> <laughs> that As you saw, that's what that one ended up being about. I know. I agree with you that like of all the characters they had, they introduced him. They gave him a ton of places that there could be storyline. He's he's Turner's best friend. He also is a different a new teacher in the school who's teaching something that's super relevant that there can make a bunch of different storylines around. And then, you know, we see him in scenes next to Turner where, you know, now they feel like, well, Turner has to say something and then Eli has to say something. And now they each get one line. It was really, yeah, it was 
it's it's a bummer because they yeah. they could have done so much more, and I w- I wish we would have. I you wish he, they the would hallway. have stuck around yeah. with him to for do seasons seasons to come. Where maybe yeah. even if they couldn't do it in this first season, maybe in the next season they could have. Yeah, yeah. You know, you guys were saying there was no really cohe like a cohesive story. I guess that kind of united everything. When we did our season two recap with you guys, we were like, hey, we think the like the overall theme is like identity, like finding yourself in this new world and figuring out your place. When we were looking at season three, we're like, I feel like the big theme is like something to do with media, whether it be the media we watch, the monkeys, Disney, happy days or the media we make like the janitor, Bud expose Corey's video with Sean's family or Eric as a weatherman. Um, And these questions about the media that we consume and create in the you know, if it's ethical or not. Um, my question for you guys is now that you've seen season three of Boy Meets World, do you feel like it's ethical storytelling? Do you feel like there are stories that you would want your kids to see? Would you want your child to see a 13 year old skip town to confess his love to a girl who said, leave me alone. Like, you know, as you kind of review the season, are there moments where you're like, Hey, we feel like, you know, we can stand behind some of these stories or we don't feel like we can stand behind them. Who wants to start? <laughs> I, I I think it's still pretty complicated storytelling. I, I still like the the the, the attempt that, that in general, Boy Meets World is still trying to be an ethical, um, responsible show. I think where it's failing for me is just with with Corey's self righteousness. Mm-hmm. I think that that sure. that is hard to get behind, and and that that is animating so many of the episodes is is a little hard to deal with. Um, Outside of that, like all the questions of media, I love that you guys are finding that connective thread. I hadn't thought about that. I think that's great. Um, and I think that, yeah, I I, I think that um, just the way that the show wrestles with very complicated issues and doesn't just take easy sitcom situational, you know, it doesn't just let a crazy situation happen. It also has parents and teachers pe- analyzing it, discussing it. Yeah, I still think that the show is... I mean, that's the secret sauce of Boy Meets World. It's hard when your lead character is the character you want to use as the example of what not to do with your kids. Like when it's a when it's a a supporting character and then there's usually consequences for that supporting character's behavior. You can see you can like I can totally imagine the conversations I would I would have with Adler where it's like, well, yeah, and you see what he did there. And, you know, and that didn't work out well for him. Right. Because he was so self-righteous or he was so angry that didn't work out right but when it's your lead character and then all of the supporting characters are supporting that behavior it becomes harder to use that as being like a because you know you can learn in many different ways you can easily learn I feel like a lot of us on Boy Meets World I learned a lot of things that if I were to ever run a show a lot of things I would want to do and I also learned a lot of things I wouldn't want to do um so I think you can learn from the character that's doing the thing you don't want them to do uh but it's a little harder when it's your lead character. Yeah, yeah. it was very strange because there in some ways season 3 for all the other characters was great for growth. Yeah. Like you saw Eric really grow. Yes. You saw Topanga grow. She wasn't there totally. a lot. You saw Sean grow. <laughs> Every but you did. You saw all the characters kind of have this growth. And then there was almost a regression for Corey, where it's kind of like he becomes more unlikable. The stuff with and we try not to harp on it because we know how important it was to people. But the there's some serious red flags with the whole Topanga situation that yeah. I'm we're we're worried are going <laughs> to get worse as opposed to getting better. And so that was the weird kind of thing about watching it was is for the the ancillary characters there was a lot of growth in season three yeah. and and I, and it was fun to watch and 
them trying to find themselves. I thought Eric especially was, you know, really you're trying to, they're, they're, they're rounding out the character. You're seeing more mm-hmm. depth to everybody around. And it's, Corey's kind of getting to be a little more annoying. And and, and it's just and starting really this season. Right, yes. Yeah. And it's um, strange. Yeah. Those worries are founded. So hold on to that feeling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then also from there, it sounds like Corey's like the first anti-hero. You know, where it's like, yeah. <laughs> we're watching TV and we're like, are we rooting for this guy? Yeah. Uh, this is what Taylor life. Swift was writing about. Was <laughs> Corey. <laughs> this is- but I do, I do think that that's normal. I mean, I think it's okay to have a central character making mis- I mean, like, yes, you know, because so, my, my Indy loves the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's a very similar. Like Greg Heffley is not a, He's not supposed to be a great kid. He's supposed to be kind of a jerk. But there's something about it's also from his point of view because he's writing and narrating it. And so you're sort of stuck with him. And and Boy Meets World, in a weird way, is not narrated enough by Corey. Like, I feel yeah. like if we were seeing Corey's POV and we were sort of stuck with him, that would make more sense. But instead, what ends up happening is all the other characters cater to Corey that's my problem. It's not that Corey's a bad person. I like the idea of a flawed central character making huge mistakes. I think it's essential storytelling. I think it's essential childhood, like coming of age storytelling to the kid makes the wrong mistakes. You're central because that's what we identify with. Yeah. It seems like in the earlier seasons, it was more about Corey being confused about the world around him. And as the show progressive, it progresses, it's more about Corey's own lack of empathy. And I think yeah. that switch yeah. kind of changes how we view him as a, as a yeah. social character. I think so. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you're learning from your mistakes, that's one thing. If you're constantly being rewarded for them, that's something different. Yeah. We talked about that in just the idea of Corey being so judgmental or like so self-righteous with Janitor Bud with like doing the time card and lying about that. But in a few episodes earlier, he sets the entire school on fire and like, <laughs> like you know, like hometown yeah. hero. Yeah. So it's just, you would expect Corey to have like some sense of empathy. Uh, right. Just, and as we were saying earlier, like gross. And he's not really getting that. And I got to tell you, uh, you're in for a ride because there's <laughs> there's a lot that you're just like, okay, we're we're taking this ride with Corey. But uh, but will to your point, um, we also felt like your character got so much to do yep. this season. Yeah, and I think Stormy Weather is like one of my uh, ultimate favorite episodes. Me too. Great episode. Just yeah. incredible. Yep. Yeah. Because I feel like it's so valid. In um, I I honestly kind of wish Eric didn't get into college and we saw him fail because i think that that would have made for better storytelling to actually in the 90s show someone who didn't graduate and what do you do then and we still could have had the same story beats um yeah but just he had to go to summer school or whatever we gave him something to do and in stormy weather the idea of him taking the internship and really uh, we talked about this uh, in our last season recap. He has a different kind of intelligence. He yep. has a different kind of charm. He gets rewarded differently. And I feel like like nowadays, Eric would be an influencer or, you know, something, yeah, something along yeah, that line. Yeah, totally, yeah. But yeah, Eric is. He's, he, he's The heart comes through and he does fail and he does make mistakes, but then he's not rewarded for his mistakes. It's like, no, you can't keep this job. You're not in, you're not, you're not a weatherman. You know, if you want to go earn that, go ahead. But it wasn't like, all right, you did it. Now you're a weatherman kid. It's like, no, that's not how it worked. So, yeah, this was yeah, a fun season for me. I, I it was a wonderful it was a season for Eric yeah. slash Will. Um, it was so great to see him so comfortable. He has so many good moments of just like 
true comedic genius and also heartstring moments. I mean, Stormy Weather yeah. is when he cuts into that cardboard cake. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Just maybe for me the most memorable scene of the whole se- of the whole season. Like that that whole scene in in the in that office the day of his birthday when he's just abandoned his family to go join his work family that he thinks really appreciates him only then for the facade to crumble is just so memorable. And me. Rusty's so good in that yeah. scene. So good. He's just so good. It's like, oh man. Yes. Yeah. Can we agree that Alan is not good with birthdays? <laughs> yeah, the whole family. <laughs> is family. They have a weird relationship with birthdays. Yes. Somebody, yeah, something horrible happened on They're somebody's not, they birthday. They don't have an 11th brother in their family. No, there's no power of the 11 in that. Exactly. We love Eric's story arc this season. We also really love Sean's character arc. Mm. Um, There's some things about Sean's story this season that we liked and we didn't like. Basically, season two ends with like setting up Turner and Sean going off on this new adventure. And I was remember being so pumped at seeing what was going to come of these two living together, the stories are going to develop. And other than like, one fight they get in at the beginning of the season, it feels like they just kind of stepped away from developing Sean and Turner as a duo. And I mean, I'm really excited to see what happens, you know, to see what happens as if I don't know. <laughs> um, for you guys to get into Sean and Chet's relationship in season four, because we go back to like continuing to develop Sean in that way. But it feels okay. like there is like something that was set up that wasn't fulfilled in terms of the promise of Sean and Turner. I know another opportunity that really felt like another great opportunity opportunity to involve Eli some more in this new relationship. How are Turner's relationships being affected by this new? We have all of that great setup for, I don't know what I'm doing. How's this going to affect my romantic relationship? How's this going to affect my job? I don't know how to be a dad. And now I'm bringing in this kid. And then we just kind of don't ever really see any of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get the double, we get the double lie and then we get um, the one where I ran away. Right. Oh, the, he said, she said, the guidance yeah. counselor. Right. Those are really the only two where it's like, and that's just early on in the season. I think they just realized they're like, there's, you know, it's not Sean and Turner's show, right? It's Corey's show. It's that, supposed we, to be we about, still have yeah. theories about what, what happened there, but how do you not do an episode where Turner's got to go away for the weekend and Sean has to stay with Eli? How is that not Ooh, an episode? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, how is that not an episode? I think it's because it becomes its own show. Like if you if you right. just think about Turner's apartment with Eli, Turner, Sean, Dana Pruitt, you, you could have had its own sitcom, yeah. you know, yeah. it would have been like a struggling like teacher trying to raise a, a, a student like that's cool. But that like, was I'm also totally my favorite Corey. That. My favorite Corey, who comes in with the blue mitten, he's yep. he's the bumbling kind of yes. older older yeah. guy already. He's got the great one liners. It's he's that's Corey to me. That's the great the best Corey. And I think right. somebody somewhere, and it might have been a network thing, saw that and went, "Wait a minute, this is we're, we're totally Get changed back to the Corey. show." Because season yeah. three, if you started in season three, the boy in Boy Meets World is Sean. Absolutely. And I think so. I think there's people that are probably like, "No, we can't have it. even if it's a B storyline." Sean staying with Eli. Oh yeah. man, the comedy that could have come from that is amazing. Uh, we also want to thank you, Will, for calling out the fact that um, apparently Turner is from uh, <laughs> a state. Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a got Brooklyn the New York accent. He's from I would have for them to just like call that out as well. Like, <laughs> Eli would have been like, "Where is this coming from?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're from Westport, Connecticut. You're from Richie Rich, Connecticut, man. Yeah. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So funny.
When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ionic 5 is a tech Ford electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard? Hyundai. It's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, Jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Summer is steadily approaching, and you know what that means. Wearing a shirt at the beach so I don't look like a sad radish for the entire vacation? Okay, maybe. Being thirsty? Yes, Ryder, you got it. It is time to go outside and bask in the glory that is sunshine with barbecues and hikes and trips to exotic locations. With your shirt on? Yes, with your shirt on. It is time to jump into a camper van with your son and your wife and... Torture everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with all these summer activities, it's so important that you stay hydrated. And we're here to tell you all about Liquid IV. It has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. You just rip open a packet and pour it into your water and bam, you're hydrating with electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. But most importantly, it tastes good. It's so easy and perfect after a workout, which I do to replenish after a nice long run. And you can travel with Liquid IV right there in your pocket. Add it to a water on a flight or after a big night when you need just a little assistance to get up in the morning. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. And with sugar-free flavors like white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime, you can't miss. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. 
Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code WORLD at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WORLD at liquidiv.com. There, like to your point, I do have a question because in season three, it does feel like there are more episodes about the side characters. And it's like, do you think that was just, did Ben need a break? Like what was going on to the point where they felt comfortable expanding on these other characters? But as you said, you've also pointed out, they will like twist and turn to make Corey like the right guy at the end of the day. So just what was going on? Do you think just behind the scenes? I think they were just excited by the characters that they had written. You know, I think that they just saw the potential in Will's comedy, me and Turner's drama. Like, I think they just got excited and and rightfully chased down those little tributaries of the show, you know? And then I, I think that's why it's an uneven season. It's because there wasn't this unifying, you know, I, I, I just, like, here's what I wish for season three. I wish that our writers had been able to, like, have, uh, like, 12 weeks to write the entire season before we started shooting, which yeah. nowadays would happen, you know, cause you would have, you would have thought like, Oh, we're going to serialize it. But back then television was week to week lurching, whether you, whether you were going to get picked up for the back nine was still a question. Mm-hmm. So we were chasing ratings and our writers were under a lot of pressure. I think, I think looking back, I think season three, they were overwhelmed. I think yeah. production wise was overwhelmed. I think they had a lot of ambitions, which is super admirable, but I think that they, they like, went in a like 10 different directions, got a little lost along the way. And that's why we have some of these like sparkling genius, like one-offs and then a lot of like weirder sort of mixed up episodes, you know? So I think they were just chasing what was in front of them. And unfortunately, like with Eli, it just didn't work out. They just didn't- I think our writers are almost too talented at creating compelling characters yes. yeah. and compelling situations where when you do a one-off, it's so compelling when you don't go back to it for multiple episodes, you're left wondering, well, whatever happened with what that? What happened that? And yeah. you're not supposed to wonder. It's not supposed to be so compelling that you care. It's supposed to be yeah. that lived for one episode and we move on. But when you think about the relationships and those characters we're talking about, like Eli with the media, with that is such, he's such a compelling character and he's setting up such a compelling conversation. You want to see more of those and more right. of those situations. You want to see more of what turns and Eli's relationships are. You want to see Turner and Sean. You want to see Sean and Chet. You want to see Corey and Topanga. You want to see Eric and Feeney. You like you yeah. in a in a twenty two minute show. <laughs> yeah. Too much. You shouldn't love every single one of those yeah. and care about where every single one of them goes. But like Ryder said, we could have had six different spinoffs. Yeah. Had, and we would now, have loved them all. I have a question for you. Do you think the writers before? They started a season. Obviously, maybe they didn't arc out the entire thing, but do you think they had a basic theme of what they thought the season was going to be? Yeah. Like this season, it's going to be this. I mean, do you think they figured that out? Yeah, I think they started this season. It was like, we're going to have Sean and Turner until Chet comes back. Yep. And that's where the season will start. So it'll start here and it'll end here. And then Corey Topanga are going to break up and get back together. I think those are the, the major tenets. Um, and oh, and then maybe Eric is going to get into college or not, right, right, like or not. Right. So those are the three journeys that are sort of carrying. But they feel like from episode to episode, you're kind of like, whoa, whoa! Now we're now we're back on Corey and Topanga. That's the center of the show. Oh no, right. Sean and Turner. That's the center of the show. It's just a little, yeah. 
You know, each each um, uh, episode one of a season almost acts like a thesis statement for what the season's intended to be. Mm -hmm. So you have the pilot, obviously, of season one. Season two's first episode is going into high school for the first time in the the Odyssey. Yeah, and then kind of figuring out that new world, which is what that season ends up being. And this one starts with Corey asking Topanga to be his girlfriend, which we kind of see that relationship play out. So it seems like there was an idea, a nugget, but maybe it just wasn't fully fleshed out. Well, that's the other problem is that when you've got so many characters doing so many things, you have to break away from one story and then just have your audience go, okay, I've got to imagine a whole bunch of stuff happened that I'm not going to see and be okay with it when we do get back to it. So it's like, that's why Corey and Topanga are lurching forward and we're not, it's like, we haven't seen Topanga in five episodes and now (laughs) he's in love with her again. It's like, okay, we've got to just figure out that. The five episodes that she wasn't in, he was having conversations that we never got to see. And you've got to just be okay with that. And there's times I'm just not. That's the yeah, problem. Is that I'm you like, want to see him. I'm not okay with just jumping right into this again. And yeah, it's like, well, you've got to assume he was like, the, I, was like I don't want to assume. I want you to Or instead me. of assuming, we'll just tell you. Well, the last <laughs> yeah, we'll tell, yeah. for the last three months, I've been exactly. doing this. And you go, you oh, know, okay. You know, Corey, you've been really obsessed with her for the last yeah. three months. Like that kind of, it's like, okay. We felt like that with uh, Trini too, that like we were just told that was Topanga's friend without actually yep. seeing them be friends. <laughs> yep. You're yeah. told she's weird. You're told that they're friends and that's, and just accept it. Yeah. So yeah, very strange. And, and to that point, it's really funny. I like what you guys said about uh, basically like the gift and the curse of the writing, where it's like you make such compelling characters, and mm-hmm. then like just because of the way that it's set up, we can't really go anywhere with them because it's supposed yeah. to be about boy. But yeah. we get some really interesting pairings. Like T just brought up Trini and Corey. <sighs> like that whole thing, we thought were really good. Um, you get. Uh, Larissa Alenik as Dana and Alex. Again, we've talked many. A lot about uh, Lindsay Rindray comes back yeah. and she's giving us Morgan. What kind of pairings do you guys think would have been really interesting? Because we get some like that one Topanga and Turner episode mm-hmm. is good and it it allows Turner to be there for Topanga in a way we haven't seen. And then again, Corey being paired with Trini is a very fun dynamic. So, That's what are some dynamic. of your favorite dynamics or like which uh, characters would you have liked to see paired up? I've got one right away. That's okay, all right. Um, I Because of the age difference, I think the idea of Feeney and Alex together mm. would have been really interested because he, he's he's younger. Right. It's different generation. It's about media, which, which yeah. Feeney, he's always reading books. So the idea, he's not going to know everything about TV and all the intricacies right. that are going so on. So some, some of the energy of, of between Turner and Feeney, if that had, yes. from second season, if that had transferred into Eli, exactly. and that would have been great. Would have been great amazing call. to see Different approaches to teaching. Yes. But ultimately having the kids, like, best Because he wasn't a teacher. Heart. Eli right. was not a teacher at all. So right. to see somebody where it's like, this is my first year of teaching. This right. is my first year as being from producing yeah. and That's coming great. to producing. It, to me, there's a whole, you could have mined that for everything. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, mine is a weird answer considering the characters, but like, I would have liked to have seen more Corey and Topanga stuff. Yeah, I would yeah. Have, <laughs> some of the stuff we're talking about with, 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 with earning it, I would have liked to have seen them enjoy their relationship a little bit more. I loved the friendship in the couple of episodes we saw where it really felt like it was Topanga, Sean and Corey when the three of them felt like. You know, there yeah. were a couple of episodes where it was like, oh, wow, she's just one of the gang. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, yep. So, yeah, I know that's not like a like a different pairing. But I mean, as we talked about, in my opinion, the 
we had too many good pairings. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get to focus on some of the pairings that we already know and love enough. Yeah. I'm so glad you- that you brought up Corey and Topanga because, you know, they've really become the heart of the show, I think, in this season. Now that you've kind of seen them get together, break up, get back together again, how do you feel like, do you feel like they have a healthy relationship dynamic? <laughs> do you feel like if, would you want your kids to have a relationship like Corey and Topanga at 14? Nope. No, I mean, no, 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 no. I think, I think exactly what Topanga had been saying, which is like, listen, Corey, we care about each other. That's why we're always going to be friends. And, and, you know, you go do your thing and I'm going to keep doing my thing. And it seemed like they, in those couple of episodes where they were friends, it seemed like it was going well. Um, so no, I, and then it just out of nowhere, he was like, that's it. I'm a late, I, I've, I've been a ladies man and he calls somebody to paying, uh, and then he decides they want to get back together. Um, no, I, I, I haven't seen anything about their relationship yet that makes me go, God, I love them together. Mm-hmm. I know, I know I've said this, I said this, you know, throughout the season a few, in a few different ways, but I am realizing like, I haven't explicitly stated it this way, which is that I think our writers as a unit, but certainly like, let's just say like the, the, the organizing intelligence behind, uh, boy meets world believed in destiny, really Mm -hmm. believed in the spiritual concept of destiny. And so in writing the show and creating the show, it is built into the logic of the show that the destiny of Cory and Topanga, they're actually supposed to be spiritually meant for yeah. each other. And that you have to sort of accept that. Like that, that <laughs> otherwise, if you don't accept that, Corey's crazy. Yeah, uh, right. Topanga's an idiot for staying with him, you know, right. not going to Yale. Like all of those things. And I think a lot of our viewers are, we're children, we're young enough to also believe in in destiny or soulmates yeah. or, you know, and, and, or Twin to flames. want to believe in it. Yeah. Twin and flames, I think yeah. that, so I think that, that that's just one of those things we can rail against, but it is, there's not going to change, right? Like right. you have to accept that as part of the, the organizing principle of the show because they, they really right. believed it. You know, it's a, it's like, it's like the, it is built into it. So I, you know, I don't, I, I think it's kind of useless to keep pointing out how like, because Otherwise, we're just never going to be happy with the show. Like, we're going to yeah. fundamentally be at odds with the reality of Boy Meets World. That's great. So that you've you got to believe in fairies. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you know. But that's you know. what it kind of is. I mean, that's yeah. really what it is. Yeah. You've got to believe the fantasy aspect of it to yes. then not look at the red, horrible, bright red flags, especially that this young man is throwing up every two seconds that he's around. Yeah. Um, it is very, yeah. I, I will right. say I mean, one right. of the better moments of their relationship was in Grass is Always Greener. I thought them coming together and saying, hey, let's break up before we hate each other was such yes. a mature conversation for I those know. two to have. Yes. And that maturity, unfortunately, just like didn't go anywhere in their relationship after. It just seems like it actually took a complete turn into like more immaturity after something that felt very... Uh, uh, adult. Yeah, yes, but it was well, also Topanga felt like they've been it. together for 30 years, which didn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're so sick of each other. What are you talking about? You just got together <laughs> four <laughs> episodes ago. <laughs> My God. Yeah. 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 We really like like the how that episode explored, though. Like, that's a real thing that couples go through. This idea of, like, you know, we've been together and we're in a rut. And, like, the idea yeah. that Boy Meets World would even tackle that, I actually kind of thought was amazing. And mm-hmm. I do love that Boy Meets World, um, to its fault, I mean, to its credit, will 
be willing to have teenagers think about, yes, hey, maybe we're not allowing ourselves to be the best versions of ourselves. I think yeah. that's like fantastic. No, yeah. I think that's great. But going back to what I said before, I want to see that earned. Yes. I don't want to, I don't want them to be on two dates and then two episodes later, they're in a rut already. I want to earn that rut because it minutes. is a real thing. And it's 22 an minutes, thing. man. It's just I know, but it's, but it's 22 <laughs> yeah. minutes, but it's also 22 episodes. Right. So yeah. if you, if that's your goal is yeah. that and beforehand, right. they're like, Corey and Topanga are going to break up and they're going to get back together again. And one of the reasons is they're going to be in a rut. Then let me see that. And you I know, mean, part of it too, I wonder how much of it is we know, of course, now that the show goes seven seasons. So there's plenty of time to let them right. stay together all of season three. Yeah. Start season four with a breakup sure. because we still know we've got season five, season six, season, six, season yeah. seven. You can have right. places to go. But oh, at the time, yeah. you don't know that. No. And you've got to keep the the viewership kind of hooked on the roller coaster that is what is going to happen. So a lot of that is the ability of, you know, looking back and having hindsight and going, wow, we had time. We could have we could have languished oh, in this. I mean, yes, this but again, is, yeah. talking about TV the way that we all love. Well, I love TV. You go back to Sam and Diane. You go back yeah. to Ross and Rachel. You go back to these characters that you earn everything you're watching and they've got yeah. the same 22 minutes and they've got the same yeah. 22 episodes, but the characters are grown together and then apart and then together and then they're close and then they're far and then they're, and we just didn't get that. They were together and then they weren't and then they were together and then, and it's like, let me see the roller coaster a little bit. Don't tell me about the roller coaster. Let me actually see the roller coaster. And yeah. I feel like we didn't get that. And also, keep keep note as to the reason why they broke up, because it's the exact same <laughs> reason that they have trouble again in like a season or two. Like this whole thing about them feeling like an old couple is a consistent issue in their relationship that keeps coming up. Right. Right. Which, Dude, frankly, I kind of love. <laughs> I love old man Corey. I think I he's great old man Corey. So, yeah. He just should have been with Wendy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ioniq 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ioniq 5 is a tech-forward electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. 
When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. Uh, two really quick things. One, Ryder, we never got your pairing, which I would love to hear. Like, what uh, do you would oh, love to? Yes, I was just yeah. going to say more Trini. I just think uh, Trini is uh, one of the best was... characters, and Brittany Murphy is amazing. I would have loved to see what Trini and Sean would have been like, like oh, yeah. as friends or as like partners in crime in some capacity i don't know i just like i just like any dynamic when i think about her and Corey, i smile I think about her and topanga i love it and yeah i just would if she had been part of the gang like yeah it should have been like that and i agree with danielle i think the topanga sean Corey dynamic is really cool so like i would have just inserted britney murphy in there and had the four of us like yeah, yeah. how is there not a trini feeny joke <laughs> How is that not a thing? I mean, come on. That would be a great like reveal to find out that Trini was actually like Feeney's She's niece a Feeney. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I love Trini that. Feeney. Her name's Trini Feeney. Speaking of the last thing that I wanted to bring up was Feeney because in City Slackers, we mm. we called it first. We uh, we pitched the Feeney prequel <laughs> way back. Years yes. before. Years but before. <laughs> that episode is so fantastic. And what you've talked about with the Feeney prequel, I feel is like ripe for a series because it allows you to see Feeney become the Feeney that he will be. But as you were saying with Alice, it's like you get in the 60s, you get race, you get mm-hmm. gender, you get just war, different- you get a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, I think I'd have to say uh, that I think was my favorite episode of the season. City Mine too. Oh, yeah. City Mine too. It yeah. was just, it was a play. It was a play. Was a and play. you're watching. Bill be Bill and the, mm-hmm. the, the you and Ben there are great. And it's also funny. It's got it's lines funny. that we're still saying. Yeah. Um, that to me was, I think, the best episode of season three. I agree. God, I, I think I agree too. It's funny because I didn't love that opening, but if if I could like go back and redo the performance for that opening, maybe <laughs> it would be What the was the B episode. story? Why can I not remember the B story? Um, oh, it's what you. is the B story in that episode? It's because the A story is so damn good. Nobody yeah, the B story. It's absolutely good. Oh, it's a pool game. 
It's oh, a oh, right. oh, It's a great, yes. beast, a great, ridiculous, yeah. fun B story. That was yeah. a great episode. That really yeah. Yeah. That's fun. And it uses Eli. And hearing yes. that you actually did that trick, honestly, I was like, <laughs> is there anything Will can't do? I know. Oh, the I can't do no. anything twice. That's what I can't do. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about season three, the, the show, but we want to talk about your season three a little bit. Uh, as we said, you guys have been touring this season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, city after city. <laughs> What's that been like while, while recording season three? And like, what have been like some of your favorite like did that show grow because we were like your groupies we were there (laughs) the first show we did the 30th anniversary and we were here when you did la so we've seen the show grow did that just come naturally or did you guys feel like we need to give everyone like a little bit it was a little bit of both a little (laughs) bit of it just organically growing when we first started the first show we did the el cajon show when you guys were there that was a real like what are we Test. doing? We yeah, have no what are we doing? We're just, on stage like a half hour before going, what should what we, do we do here? <laughs> and then by the time we actually really kicked off the tour, we had had a chance to really kind of fine tune what we wanted. And then we had done a couple of dates and Ryder had a friend as per usual in uh, one of the cities we were in. And he invited that friend to the show. And then after they went out and got drinks and the friend said, I really like the show. But my one piece of constructive criticism would be that um, Will has a moment on stage alone. Ryder has a moment on stage alone. But Danielle does not. And I think you guys should add something. And so then more recently, we added my little moment on stage. Um, and so now I feel like the show's in a really good place right in time for us to wind this tour down. <laughs> wind it down. <laughs> right in time for us right to Right in time stop. for the smaller <laughs> venues that we're hitting, and then we call it a quiz. And then yeah. we're done. Yeah. It's exhausting also to answer your question. It really is tiring. Um, doing the three in a row, especially, we're driving usually in between the – so we'll, I mean, we'll go and do a show and then we wake up at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. We'll drive six hours and go into a show, wake up seven, eight o'clock in the morning, drive six hours and go to, it's physically exhausting. I always say, I wish I was doing this at 27 instead of 47. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I think we're going to be doing a lot less of them. I love it yeah. because when we asked you last and it was coming up, you're like, we love being busy. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. And now you're like. <laughs> yeah. it was ama- I mean, it truly was amazing. I'm glad we got to. I mean, I'll talk, speak for myself. I'm glad I got to experience oh, it. Yeah. And the f- seeing the love and the fans mm. and feeling it, it comes in this wave that you can literally feel hit you when you walk on stage. It's inspired. I mean, Danielle, again, literally cries, I think, every single live show that we have because we walk out. It catches out and me off guard every it. time. It's yeah. Incredible. I mean, it really is incredible. We got the best fans in the world. Really and every city is its own thing. thing. Yeah. The the crowd has its own energy, it has its own vibe. In some cities you can tell it's way more of a boy meets world fandom and they don't necessarily know the podcast at all. In other cities it's so heavily skewed that the people who are there are like big time pod meets world and boy meets world fans. The costumes people have been able to come up with, the questions we do a Q&A every episode or every show, the questions people come up with, they're always different. We have very few repeating questions. The, like I mentioned, the costumes, it's, it's, it feels different every time. And yet, like Will said, it is also really hard on ourselves physically. I mean, Jensen ended up going in for emergency gallbladder surgery. He visited multiple emergency rooms across the country. Um, Part of his body died while we were on tour. Literally. (laughs) 
Sarah pretty much killed Jensen um, because, you know, the stuff you don't see behind the scenes is is the like Will mentioned, we fly in usually the night before into a place. So that first show we're really fresh for because we get to sleep in, we get to work out, we get a nice lunch. Then we go and we do the show and then we but we we do a rehearsal for about an hour. Then we have to get ready for the show. Then we do the show for an hour and a half. Then we cram food for 15 minutes after the show. And then we do a minimum of an hour and a half of a meet and greet after. So we don't usually leave the venue until like 1130 at night. We get back to the hotel around midnight. We're not usually asleep until one. And then we're up the next day at 7 a.m. to drive six or seven hours to the next city. And we usually just drop our bags off and go right to rehearsal and do the whole thing again. And then that same thing again the next day, a third day. And then we fly home on that next day. So it's hard on our families. It's hard on our bodies. But it's also it's been amazing and we've yeah, bonded awesome. and we've had yeah. such a great time. More laughs than, you know, we ever could have imagined. We also, writer, do you want to talk about the film crew we brought with us for a few days? Yeah. So we, we had um, some friends of, of mine um, come along and film us. So we have footage from three cities, uh, all behind the scenes stuff of us prepping the show, us traveling together. Um, so we're going to see how that footage turns out and see if we can come up with something. Um, because I think, I think this has been like, I think we're going to look back in like five years and be like, that was the greatest yeah. year of like our lives together, our friendship together, like our relationship just been among the three of us. Like the amount of like self-knowledge I've gained just by spending time with you guys and like the conversations, the fact that we like never stopped talking it's insane to me that we're like doing it yeah we do it up for the podcast then we get into the car we do it all day, to talk about. and then we go and then we do a show where we get on stage and we don't know what we're going to talk about we talk about it it's like and it's the converse and it's like yeah i've had grumpy moments i know and like we've all had moments where we're like get a little sick of each other but then we do it again the next week yeah. and i'm fine yeah. and then i get sick of you again and then we do it again and we're fine and it's like <laughs> it's so crazy to me that we keep coming back and then we're like we we still have a aren't we gonna have a christmas dinner together soon yeah. like yeah. we're gonna we do that plans. on our free time when we're home in LA. Like, what is wrong with us so yes i just like and I know we're going to miss it like when this podcast ends, when we finish the season seven yeah. and when we're not doing the live shows anymore, I'm going to be like, oh, man. Like I know. It's going to feel know? very much like the way it felt when Boy Meets World ended, which was yeah. like, for me, leading up to it was like, oh, this show can't be over fast enough. And then it ended and I was like, I'm so sad. <laughs> Devastated. Um, with this, I think the difference is I'm not looking forward to this one being over. I'm no. enjoying every but second of it. We'll have our sitcom by then, though, so it'll be okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, um, based on what you were saying earlier, we went to the Philadelphia show, and that energy was like uh, fantastic. Nuts, and, right? and so, and then we went to the LA show, which we we looked at each other we're like, "This is a this is a different crowd." Like they, mm, their oh, questions yeah. were so niche and so specific. <laughs> yeah. We were like, "Oh, these Angelinos came to play." Yes. Uh, so I just, but based on that, did you have like? any of your favorite questions that you were asked while on the tour? Like you said, they're all unique questions. Were there, mm -hmm. if you can remember, were there any questions that you were like- I'll tell you hands down my favorite moment of the live tour Q&A. And this is a bad thing to say because I do not want to encourage this. But at, when we are doing the Q&A, of course, there's a moment where we have to make the announcement that there's only <laughs> one, this is our last question. And then everybody goes and sits down. Well, in this one particular show, and I don't remember where we were, someone hung back and it was a guy and he said, excuse me, 
I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, I know that you said his last question, but I, I have to ask this. I, I've wanted to my whole life. I have to know this. And he asked Ryder a question about philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryder, his whole being lit up from the inside. And he like got close to the end of the couch and he and he was just and he gave this most passionate answer and meanwhile you know there's like 1500 people in the theater will and i included looking at each other having absolutely no idea what these two are talking about and it, it became the david hume david the david hume, hume moment and so we have, hume. can i explain what happened yes, please, so the please. guy the guy asked he was a, he was had been a philosophy major in college so he was like writer I've heard that you like philosophy and that you started as a philosophy major. So I'm just wondering, like, who were some of your favorite philosophers? Which is the question I've been waiting to be asked since I was 15 years His old. And I took all my philosophy courses. This is the uh, moment. This is all I wanted to hear. And it was so fun because then he and I started geeking out in yeah. front of the entire crowd. I was like... I'm a big fan of David Hume, and they were. He was like, "Yes, I'm Hume. a fan of David Hume." And then they were, they, these guys were like, "Who the hell is David Hume?" And I was like, "You don't know Hume." And then I talked about how I used to cross out my signature because mm-hmm. I was going through a whole Derrida phase, which he got. He was like, "Oh, because you wanted to exist under erasure." I'm like, oh, "Yes, wow. exactly." And they just and the whole crowd. It was. But I have to say, okay, telling that story and like, uh, you know, uh, you guys thought it was like a funny like moment. It also reignited something in me like i have since gotten back into philosophy yeah i realized because i realized like those references that i was talking to him about were things that i had read when i was 20 or the in college right. last time and so then i started looking up things that i haven't kept up with like there are two major philosophers i'd never heard of saul kripka and um and derek parfit who are like the you've two, never like, heard of kripka and parfit <laughs> exactly wow. and so uh, now how do you get my books i bought my copies it's like you just asked me about dungeons and dragons look at the size of this book that i had now i i bought this and i'm like oh god i gotta go deep and i am going deep so this guy whose name i don't even know i hope you're listening send us an email you totally like re-inspired me to get back into philosophy it was like and that's like the kind of thing that this that we talk about the sense of community we're getting from the show. That's it. Like yeah. there was this moment, like this guy asked a very niche question that like ignited something in me that now I'm like hopefully sharing with the world. Like everybody should read some David Hume. Philosophy is amazing. Like get yeah. out there. You know, like I, I don't know. Like just like, I just love that there's a feedback it? loop. <laughs> 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 no, they are. I, I don't remember any specific questions. I just, they're, everybody is so amazing and they come out and they've got their questions ready and it's just becomes a conversation and it's so much fun. It really is. It really is. Yeah. I, I love that. That's so funny. Will, I find it hard to believe that you have the memory of like <laughs> a machine and you can't remember any question. Well, well, it's because they come at you in like a barrage, you know, we get a lot of the kind of, you know, what were your favorite? You know, what we get a lot is what's your favorite Feeny wisdom. Mm-hmm. We'll get with that question we get at almost every show. Like, what's the thing? And 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 we turn it from sometimes what we learned from Feeny, but also what we learned from Bill. You know, yeah. so it's whether which is two different things. Um, so yeah, we always go to the you don't have to be blood to be family that kind of stuff. But Bill just talking to us as actors. I mean, the things that he taught us about being a professional. I mean, that's kind of the things that I go back to. So yeah, we get a lot of that those kind of questions as well. Amazing. Um, you guys have been so great giving us so much of your time. Do we have time for a quick trivia sure. for season three? Yeah. Let's do it. 
Okay, we're gonna lightning round this, and we'll we'll ask that you give Danielle and Ryder a chance to answer. I know <laughs> he's gonna know everything. I shall sit quietly. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll do this as uh, rapid fire. <clears throat> In truth, the consequences. What was Janitor Bud's excuse for clocking out of work early? his excuse i know he's supposed to be he's going to play the ponies is what he's actually doing he's really doing ponies that's right he was going to the horse track that's correct oh Oh, that is the answer i thought i was like that wasn't really yeah that was (laughs) his real reason yeah Yeah. (laughs) and rave on eric dances with the woman who we later find out was his cousin what was her name brenda really no okay i'm wrong apparently Started, there was a Brenda this season, but it wasn't that. I know it was Brenda, Brenda Marsh. Marsh. Was the uh, was the the, 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 the Amy's Amy's work friend? Yeah, no, uh, I Ma- want to say it, cousin, cousin Wanda 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 Wanda. You got it. <laughs> Danielle's killing it. I didn't know it was Wanda. There you go. Finish the quote. I walk alone in this world, except for the, the grilled cheese sandwich in my pocket. Grilled cheese sandwich. The grilled cheese sandwich in my pocket. The famous fireworks scene and happiest place on earth takes place at which Disney park? Epcot? I mean, most of it takes place at Epcot, so I would say Epcot. Yeah, it's got to be Epcot, Epcot right? Yeah. Epcot, that's correct. What year does Corey travel back in time to when I was a teenage spy? Ooh. Oh, it was 1959? 19... So it was Sputnik. So Sputnik, Sputnik was 57? 57 yeah, is correct. Right. Yeah. Good job, Will. And that's final awesome. question. Uh, this one's a little bit harder, so whoever gets it. And my best friend's girl, Feeney catches Eric screening what horror movie to his classmates? Freddy's Revenge. Wait, uh, you're thinking of Stumpy's Revenge. Stumpy's Revenge. Stumpy's Revenge. No. Oh God. Wait. That's... Say it one more time. In Best Friends Girl, Feeney catches Eric screening what horror movie to his classmates, and you guys aren't far off. There is they're a revenge far. aspect. There's something. Okay. There's. They're supposed to be watching Paint Your Wagon, right? That's the movie mm-hmm. that they're supposed to be. Screening. Oh yes. Instead, oh wait. No. So well, what it is? It's Kablooey. Kablooey. Um... <laughs> It's um oh god because he's in what he was there for the revenge you know, of one two something. and four right. uh, it <laughs> was um oh god uh oh what was it called I can't remember what it was called you guys tap out the correct answer is Texas Gutsuckers Part Five Leon's Revenge Leon's, Leon's Revenge, revenge. <laughs> Leon's Revenge and we couldn't even get the the, the actor. Got the one. Yeah. Yes. We were like, wait, we're screening number five, but the guy was here in number four. four. Like, yeah, it was very strange. Yeah. Um, Danielle, in episode uh, 16 of this season, you bring up girl math. And one of yes. the things that we wanted to talk about was boy meets world math. Because okay. boy meets world math <laughs> oh, is yeah. itself. It's own the whole thing. So we were like, in sixth grade. We we're in ninth grade. Exactly. We met when we were four. We met in episode four. Yeah. 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 So you're like, some of those are like, Boy Meets World Math is giving Sean more and more family members, yet no uh-huh. family. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Boy Meets World Math is saying, I love you means I owe you owe me, and I love you back. <laughs> yeah. right. I like that. Ah. Right? Boy Meets World Math is if I add my parents to a rave I was already throwing, then it's a party for them. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. Brilliant. Having three children, but only caring about one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the school having enough money for a chemistry lab, but not a second bathroom. 
Amazing. <laughs> I like it. That all works. Those are great. I love Boy Meets World Map. That's good. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys so much for being here. Literally, we look forward to your recaps and your your yeah. coming back to join us every season. We look forward to having you back for season four. Um, you guys mentioned that season three ranks pretty high. Where does season four rank in your overall? It's ratings? everyone's favorite, right? I'm season say. four is my absolute favorite season <laughs> of the show. Okay, I'm I'm looking forward to talk to you guys about season four. I I fall in love with it every time. This boy couldn't hold back an emotion if he tried. So (laughs) he he showed you. But no, season four, I think you guys will like so much more because the kind of depth that we get to into in three, it's just elevated and it's a little bit more cohesive in season four. So I think I think you're really going to enjoy the journey that we go on. If you're yeah. able to get any of the season four cast members to interview, that would be great. Such as Leisha Haley from Shallow Boy. Yeah. Oh, Shallow so- Boy is season four. Okay. Uh, also, Chris he- uh, Hardwick is in Singled Out. I don't know if you're oh, able to right. talk to him, but that would be great. Um, And I hope I'm saying this right. Shireen Mitchell, who played Verna, is in- gets introduced in season oh, four. And it would be great. Verna. Yeah, we meet mm. Verna. So that would oh, be great. Oh, okay. wow. Um, okay. I have to say, and I'd like to, I think I can safely say for both Ryder and Danielle, if you ever come to another live show and don't come back How and say hi dare to you. us. <laughs> we, are you I, when I found me? out you guys were there and didn't, I was like, what? Are, are they, they mad at us? Like, they couldn't have been here. They, there's no <laughs> way they would have come. Were they mad? You know what? They Part of it was we were at the Philly show and we saw how long you guys were doing meet and greets. Yeah, and we were like, it's exhausting. Oh, man. No, it we are like well. Writers yeah. like, thank you. I do appreciate it. Thank <laughs> no, you. I want to see you guys. But yeah, after the show, we are wiped out. Yeah, I want to say that. Like, that was one of the things that I did learn. Like, when we went to Philly, we were so, I like, we were in the best way. We could see it on you. We were like, it's been a while. Like, like you stayed, and to your credit, you were so energetic. And and we staying in line and, like, being able to talk to the other yeah. fans was so much fun. But we really just wanted to be like, hey... They've had, they've been here a while. Aww. Let's get out of their hair. And then TC was like, I think they wanted to see us. Yeah, we, <laughs> like, we always we do. do. <laughs> so yeah, we, we'll be better at that. Um, okay, good. Yeah, please. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. We love Thank being your groupie, you. so we'll be at the next one. Well, and we are yours. We <laughs> love you so much. Thank you for joining us again. We'll see you next time. Thank you guys. Bye. 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 Have a Happy day. holidays. Bye. Happy holidays. Oh, always so fun. So that's very exciting that they love season four. It's going to be a good season. I, I hope wait. so. I hope so. Hey, I, I remember sh- everything about Shallow Boy, and that was a great episode. So knowing it's a great that episode, before, I know the, the cult episode is in this, which is a little bonkers. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, haircut. Oh, man. Haircut. These are all great episodes. Yeah. This yeah. is going to be a good season. I do think oh. it's going to be probably the, the peak season. It makes sense, yeah. right? It's a halfway point. It's like when yeah. you're, you know. yeah. When do When does Matt come? Season five? five, season five, yeah. I think okay. season five is when we we get into college, but yes, yeah, so season season four ends with graduation from high school. There's a lot going on, so I think, yeah, right, yeah. Season I think five, so, yeah. we started. But then how is we that, start college? Okay, so so was Eric so held back? I think you go to college this season. No, I know, but if. Corey is three years younger than Eric, as we just talked about in the last episode, and Eric's graduating. That means that Corey's a freshman. So how is or at the end of season four, he now graduating from high school? Boy meets world math is Boy the answer. Boy meets world math is the answer. Wow. Okay. Maybe we we'll don't graduate at the end of season yeah, four. Yeah, maybe I it's season five. End of yeah. season five. No, it's season five. You know why I know it's season five? Because Matt and I were sitting there in the audience 
la- yeah, cheering Diamond you on, and then we don't cheer Ben when he that's comes right. up. Remember that? So that was yeah, season so five. That, so that hasn't okay. been season five. So we don't graduate okay, this okay. year. Okay. 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 Yeah, that scared me. Then I don't know anything about season four. Let's see. I'm excited. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us for this uh, episode and this season of Pod Meets World. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Pod Meets World Show. You can send us your emails, podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. And we have merch. Season three's over merch. Podmeetsworldshow.com will send us out. We love you all. Pod dismissed. Pod Meets World is an iHeart podcast produced and hosted by Danielle Fischel, Will Friedle, and Ryder Strong. Executive producers Jensen Karp and Amy Sugarman. Executive in charge of production, Danielle Romo. Producer and editor, Tara Sudbach. Producer, Maddie Moore. Engineer and Boy Meets World superfan, Easton Allen. Our theme song is by Kyle Morton of Typhoon, and you can follow us on Instagram at PodMeetsWorldShow or email us at PodMeetsWorldShow at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303 mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions, and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.